Amen. Check one, two. Amen. I wonder if we can put our hands together and give God a cheer this morning. Amen. You may be seated. Good to see everybody here today. I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, when kind of days like this, how many can lift your hand to heaven and say, I'm all in? Come on, I'm going after God. I'm all in. I'm not turning back. There's nothing that's going to get me off course. Amen. I'm, I'm going all the way with him. Amen. Every once in a while, I just tell the Lord that. I'm going all the way, just so you know. I'm, I mean, I'm in it for the long haul. You're not getting rid of me. Amen. Can you just say, I'm all in today. Amen. Lord is good, isn't he? Right? God's good. And, and uh, great reason to uh, be in church today, really. You know, and, and sometimes people think, well, when I get my life in order and everything's great and going good, I'll go to church or, you know, then I'll talk to God. But how many know you just start where you are? That's the best thing to do. Just start where you are and uh, let, let God figure it out and handle it. Amen. And uh, sometimes you need to come to church when you're not doing well. That's a good place to start, isn't it? And uh, people say, man, I got to get my act together. What you don't know is everybody else doesn't have their act together. <laughs> We're all trying to get our act together, amen. But thank God for everybody being here today and uh, just seeing everybody. And uh, really, it's just Christmas is coming and, and uh, really love this time and the celebration of family and, and really the Lord and so good. Um, you know, one of the things I, I just want to give you an exhortation before we share today is I was thinking of the life of the Apostle Paul. And one of the things I really like about his life and I see about is one of the things that he really showed me and showed us is that you really never know where you're going until you understand where God has you. And so sometimes we don't really understand and fully understand where God's taking us, but we've got to understand where God has us. And sometimes the best thing to do is understand where God has you. How many know sometimes God just has you in a season of waiting? God has you in a season of, of uh, his silence isn't neglect, by the way. And sometimes God has you in that season. And so you really never understand where you're going until you have to understand where God has you. And it's very important to understand that. One of the things that I see in, in with the Apostle Paul, his life, is that really over and over again, uh, how much his life, he had problems. <laughs> he had a lot of struggles. I mean, you know, you know, going to a missionary trip and then you're, you, know, you're, you, you wreck your car, you total your car. First of all, you run out of gas and you total your car and it's in the middle of the night and you're on a dark highway where nobody can. That's kind of Paul's journeys. <laughs> that, that's kind of how he did. And Paul just ran into those things all the time. People, you know, beating him up, leaving him for dead, you know, stabbing him, doing whatever. You know what I mean? Robbing him. You know, that was just kind of his way he thought life should be. And the thing of it is, is his faith was so strong, wasn't it? His faith was so strong. And, you know, sometimes we go through things and especially like healings or we're asking God for things. And, you know, sometimes I think we get some things mixed up. We look at things a different way and we, we tend to look at it. God's not answering. God's not meeting my need. He's not healing my body. And we look at that as God really his love has changed for me. And so what we do is we kind of like, OK, what do, what do I got to do to get God to answer my prayer? Oh, I know. What I need to do is I need to confess and then I read and then I fast and pray. Okay, I'll do that. Well, that didn't, okay, it didn't work. So wait, uh, maybe I have an order. Maybe I need to pray first, then fast, then confess. Okay, that didn't work. Well, let me, let me, let me try it another way because may, maybe, maybe I'm just doing something wrong and maybe God's not pleased with my life. And sometimes we have to understand that God's love isn't like that. Come on, somebody. Amen. Just because God's not answering your prayer, God's not giving you a miracle, doesn't mean God stopped loving you. And you got to do more. You need to pray more. you got to seek more. you got to do this. you got to fast more. You didn't do enough. You didn't read enough. How I many know that's nothing to do with God's love for you? If you prayed about it, you put it in His hands. And I like what one guy said. He said, instead of looking for a miracle, maybe you should become a miracle. Maybe, maybe somebody else needs a miracle and you just need to become a miracle and stop worrying about how God's not meeting your need and how God's not doing this and do, and then, and, and, oh, what did I do wrong? And I just need to put everything back in order and maybe a ceremonial, I just don't have everything right. How many know God's meeting your need? God's working on your behalf. God hears your prayer and God's never stopped loving you. Amen. So don't think and let the devil lie to you. Think, well, if God's not answering your prayer and meeting your need, then God stopped loving you. You just need to do more to get God's attention. 
Get God to love you. Listen, God sees your and hears your whisper. He sees your every move. He knows everything about your body. And listen, some of you, you're losing your mind over what God's already figured out. Amen. So I want to encourage you today. Take a lesson from the Apostle Paul that in every state I've learned to be content. I've never stopped believing God and it's never stopped and changed God's love for me, his concern for me. Amen. I'm not last in line on God's list. How many know you're first on God's list? Amen. Along with the seven billion other people. Amen. Hallelujah. You're first on God's list. And so we have to understand, I want to encourage you, amen, that some of us, we're in really difficult times and we kind of take that and we try to take it personal and God's not answering my prayer and things aren't going working out. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not going with the flow. I'm going with God. <laughs> amen. I don't know about you, but I want to see what God's doing. I'm not, it's not interested in what, what everything else around me is going and, and saying and all these people are doing and how our world's going nut, nuts and, and crazy. I want to be caught up with what God's doing. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be where God was. I want to be where God is. I don't want to listen to everybody else and, and, and be controlled and, and influenced by everything else. I want, to, I want to be where God is. I want to know what God's saying. I want to be, come on, why? Because the Bible says in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. How many know there's freedom wherever God is? There's healing. Wherever Jesus went, there was healing. Wherever Jesus went, there was freedom. Wherever he went, amen, there was, there was divine healing. And, and come on, that's what I want. And so I want to be present in the presence of God. I want to be present right now. I want, the, I want that to be, man, that's what I want to be. I want to be in God's presence. I want to be with God. And uh, some of us are so caught up with being where, you know, the world wants to take us or television saying you know, everything. I want to be where God is. Amen. I want to be where God's going. And so I want to encourage you that, uh, you know, keep believing God, keep praying, but don't think God's not listening. Don't think God's not working. Don't think God stopped loving you. How many, aren't you thankful that, amen, since day one, God's never stopped loving you. Amen. Well, you don't understand my story and I just can't come to church. Listen, the Bible says that we have access into his presence. It doesn't say you gotta, you know, you gotta do all this works and everything before you get into his presence. The Bible says the door's already open, you just gotta step in. And so it doesn't matter what's going on in your life and what how you're behaving at this moment. Just be present and say, God, I, I need to get in your presence. I want to be where you are. And so I want to encourage you to do that. We've been sharing a lot about in the last several weeks about grace and the grace of the Lord out of Titus chapter 2 and how grace impacts our life. And the Bible says that great, the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and, and uh, unrighteousness, to live soberly, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we've been talking about that. And we talked about at the very first time, we really talked about the four great truths of grace, which is this. Number one, grace is a person. How many believe grace is a person? Grace isn't, isn't a ticket you get. Amen. Grace is a person. And number two, grace brings salvation for all. That doesn't mean everybody's automatically saved. That means it's available for everyone. How many believe God wants everybody to get to heaven? Even your neighbors, even your family. God has designed everyone to be in heaven. Amen? So that's the grace of God has appeared to all men. That's what it means. And number three, grace educates us on how to live pure lives. That's what Paul wanted to bring out. And grace brings a hope of the manifestation of the appearing of Jesus Christ. That hope is what we're waiting for. And how many know it's worth waiting for? It's worth waiting for. As Paul's been through all this stuff in his life, he said, man, Jesus coming back, that's worth waiting for. And that's my hope, and that's my uh, trust in that. But we talked about um, living under the influence of grace in our life. And how does that look? Well, we know that it, we, we, we really have to go back to the cross and living under the influence of the cross. And then we began to talk about living under the influence of the Holy Spirit and how that we're influenced by the Holy Spirit. How many believe that you're influenced by the Holy Spirit? Amen. I want to be. I, I really do. And because uh, too much of that comes out and it's really not good. I want to be influenced by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so we talked about glorifying Jesus and, and some of the things about uh, really obeying God's word and loving the truth. And how many know the Holy Spirit's going to lead you in a good way? Amen. He's never going to lead you in a place of lies, darkness, and deception. He's always going to lead you towards Jesus. Amen. Who's full of light and truth. And so we talked about that. I want to just share today, and it might be just a little shorter, amen, than normal. Some of you don't need to be nervous. You're still going to meet God today. 
People think, man, if I don't, you know, I don't have a long worship service and we don't have a long offering and if I don't have a long sermon, man, we didn't meet God. You know, and if people didn't run around and service didn't go four hours, man, God wasn't there. Amen. All right. God help us. But, you know, so I want to bring this truth out today that those that are living under the influence of the Holy Ghost are his witnesses, have power to be his witnesses. Amen. To be power to be his witness. Amen. So it's not just to witness. We, we think about that too many times, tell people about Jesus, but it's to be a witness. How many of you know the closest thing to the actual truth is someone that was there and given account for it? Somebody that actually witnessed it. Somebody that actually knew the facts. Amen. That knew personally what happened. That's a witness, right? How many of you know that's the closest thing to the truth? Somebody that actually saw it. Somebody that actually there. Somebody that actually said it. That's a witness. And the Bible says that you're called to be a witness uh, for Jesus in the earth. And so one of the things that we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, because he is coming, he talked about it on the day of Pentecost, you will have power to be my witnesses. How many receive power to be his witness? All right, amen. And so for the rest of you, hopefully after the service, you will feel empowered to be his witness. Amen. So we've received power to be the witness of Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, that there is a witness on the inside of us. He said that our spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit that we are the children of God. How many have ever really, really in your heart, you said, man, I know I'm part, I, I belong to Christ. Yeah. How many know that have that deep sense? I know... I am His and He is mine. That's what the Bible says. Our spirit bears witness with His spirit that we're His, that we're His children. And I don't know about you, but I don't just wake up one morning and say, I wonder if I'm His anymore. The Bible says that my spirit bears witness that I'm His. I belong to Him. He's in, uh, in me and I'm in Him. How many know that when you got baptized, the Bible says you got baptized into Jesus Christ. Jesus is the new man that you put on. <laughs> and so I know that I'm confident to say today that I belong to him. And so that's, that's a witness that we need to start out with right there. It's important to understand who you are, and then you can understand what you can do. I mean, a lot of people are looking for what I should do in life. Find out who you are in Christ, then you'll know what to do. And so the Bible says that we've been given power to be his witness. What does that mean? That means that it is the continuance of the work of Jesus in us. Did you know that the Holy Spirit's come to have, be that continuance of the work of Jesus? The continuing working of Jesus? How many know Jesus came with a mission? Jesus said, first of all, I want to show you who the Father is. I want to show you who God creator is. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he said, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. How many know Jesus was on a mission? At 12 years old, he was burning with a passion for God. Amen. How many know you can do that? Especially as a teenager, you can burn with a zeal and a passion for God. And so that's what the Holy Spirit has really been given is that continuance of the work of Jesus, not the continuance of church culture, not the continuance of the ceremonial task in the Old Testament, not continuance of some religion that we need to keep up. How many know it's a continuance of the work of Jesus? Amen. How many feel that burning in your heart? Man, I feel like I'm on mission for Jesus. Amen. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit in our lives. I like the scripture in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, and then I'll jump down to 27. I love this. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Got a tingle right there. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I like what one translation says, because he teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. So we know the truth. That's what that means. You have an anointing. That's what it says. There's an anointing, the anointing, the unction. There's an unction. We, we used to say this in Bible school. We have an unction for our function. How do you know Jesus is giving an unction? Amen. You've got an anointing from, well, I'm waiting for the pastor to anoint me. How many know Jesus has already anointed you for service? How many know, believe that with all your heart, Jesus was anointed for service? You better believe it. The day he got baptized, the Bible says the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and that Jesus was anointed for service. And did you know that God wants to anoint you for service? That's what the Holy Spirit does. He anoints you for service. Well, I'm waiting to feel goose pimples. I'm waiting to feel, amen, that electric shock. I'm waiting to fall out under the power. No, you've been anointed. You've received an anointing from Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. In verse 27, but the anointing which you receive from Jesus abides in you. 
And, and, and again, it says this, it says, not that you need that anyone teach you, but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. And he is true and is not a lie. And just as you've been taught from Jesus, he will live with you. Doesn't that sound exactly what Jesus said, as we read last week in John 14 and 16, rather? And so we have the anointing from Jesus. How many believe that the Holy Spirit has given you power to be a witness? Amen. How many, how many, you know, one of the things in Revelations we need to get, it's not my power. <laughs> I have no power. Some people have a power to bend a spoon. I have no power. <laughs> Amen. They have power to read cards and, and, and understand all mysteries. I don't have power. The only power that I rely on is God's power. I rely on His power. And, then, and I've been given power from Him. Amen. Why? Because my power got me in trouble. My power made bad choices. My power will lead me to destruction, the Bible says. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of that way is the way of death. That's my power. My power is poor. My power is limited. My power is very, very, very uh, messed up <laughs> sometimes. My power would be to send people to, to hell forever, <laughs> whatever. I mean, come on, somebody. That, your power is messed up, but I'm relying on God's power. My power doesn't perfect me. My power doesn't heal me. My power doesn't bring me wholeness and soundness and salvation, but the power of God does. And the Bible says that we've been anointed by God to do His service. That's what it is. I like to feel goose pimples. I like to, fall. I like to do this. I like to run around the church. Listen, that's not why you've been anointed. You haven't been anointed to make a show. You've been anointed to flow. Amen? That's right. Amen. And so this is what it is. And that anointing sets you apart, the Bible says. Does it make you better? Does it make you more privileged? Does it make you more loved? No, it just simply says it means that you're set apart for a specific task, a specific purpose. Many people think that they're set apart in the church to be the only prophet, to be the only evangelist, to be the apostle of the city. No, that's not, why you, that's not set apart at all. What that means is that God has set you apart for a specific purpose. But here's the key. Every one of us have been set apart. So you can look at me and I can look at you and said, we've both been set apart for God's service. How many know you've been set apart for the mission of Jesus Christ? Well, I don't know what my purpose in life is. I, I'm, one, I'm struggling. I don't know. Get involved in the mission of Jesus and what God has for the rest of your life will open up. Amen. I'm going off on a trail here. So you've been set apart. You've been uh, really specially gifted and prepared by the Holy Spirit. That's what that means. How many know that when the Bible says that you've been anointed for something, that means you have power to be and the power to do. Someone said that I'm not, I'm not, uh, we're more than human beings, we're human doings. You know, we're not human doings, we're human beings. I think the saying goes. We're not human doings. But how many know the Bible says he's anointed you to be? How many feel that God's anointed you to be? Yeah, and he's anointed you to do. And did you know that? God's anointed you and given you the power to be and the power to do. Let me just talk to you a few moments about the impact of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to being a witness in the earth, there's a lot of I could say. I'm just going to give you four of them. Number one, we see that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, there is supernatural abilities from God. These are called the gifts of the Spirit. These are called giftings from God. Now, many people think that they're so unique and they're so different than anybody else in the church or any other Christian because they've been given gifts. But I want you to say, I said this a hundred times, I say this over and over again, the gifts of the Spirit are really given to God and they're a dime a dozen. <laughs> Come on, somebody, amen. Ooh, they have the gift of. They're so much better. <laughs> They're untouchable. They're like kings in the church. I don't think so. And that, and that just kind of brings us right back to reality. But aren't you glad that God has loved you so much? He said, I, I have a mission for you and not just that. Wait a second. Like an infomercial from God. There's more. There's more. I've got gifts for you. Wait, there's more. I've got multiple gifts for you. Wait, there's more. You can operate under these gifts at any time the Holy Spirit empowers you to do it. Oh, cool. I like that. Amen. Amen. Not just one knife set. I'm getting a couple, right? So this is what it is. And so it's that giftings. And how many know in the Old Testament, uh, you know, David described it like this. Daily, he loads me with benefits. I've been loaded with benefits from God. 
He's given me gifts. He's given me the gift of a lot of these gifts that, that come from God. Man, the gift of grace, the gift of salvation is where I start. And then I go on and I find out God has more. And I, and I go in the, and then God has more and God has more and God has more. But here's the cool thing. God has giftings for every one of us. I said God has giftings for every one of us. No, I can't do that. They, they do. No, God has giftings for every one of us. And there's the gift of the Spirit. It's supernaturally, supernatural abilities that come from God. We're talking about the supernatural life. Amen. Living under the influence of the Holy Ghost. These are, you really are just activates the gifts of God. The Holy Ghost does. And, and that's what happens in our lives. It's a demonstration of the power of God. How many believe God's got a lot of power? Aren't you glad about that? Amen. How many know God's got power over the wind? He's got power over the sea. He's got all power. I mean, God's just got power. Amen. I love it. But really, He's given us those giftings. So that's the impact of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the gifts that come from God. Really, just the giftings. Uh, and someone said, well, I, I, you know, I just don't think God loves me enough to give me. No, the Bible says, amen, that as many, I believe, as God has called, that He is gifted, Right? And this is Paul teaches us. And the second thing is, is the impact of the Holy Spirit is the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So one is the abilities of God. And the, the second, really, as we see the fruits of the Spirit, are the character of God in our lives. How many know it's important to have character in your lives? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, they talk about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit in your life and in the church. But right in the middle of that, in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, the Corinthian church, you guys got a lot of passion, you've got a lot of stuff going on, but one of the things you need is you need character in the midst of gifts. You need, you need come on, you need character in the midst of charisma. How many have met a lot of people, they're gifted, but they don't have any character? They don't have any integrity. Come on, somebody. Amen. Can't be trusted with money. How many ministries that you've saw over your life and you've maybe even grew up with? They had a lot of giftings, but they didn't have any character, so they couldn't handle the responsibility God was calling them to. Right? So God wants to ha have fruit in our lives, and that's the fruit of the Spirit. How many are thankful that the Holy Ghost just it wants to bear fruit in your life, that you bear fruit? How many have ever walked by a, a, an apple tree or a pear tree and you've heard it grunting trying to grow? No, it's an apple tree. It's going to bear forth apples. You're a Christian. Walk with the Holy Spirit. You will bear forth fruit. Amen. Is that what John 15 says? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You're going to bear all kinds of fruit. Amen. Boy, that's another whole lesson in itself, isn't it? But it's the character of God. It produces the fruit of the Spirit. And you'll see the, this many times in Galatians and Colossians. You'll find out what that is, Galatians 5. But it's the practicing of the principles of God, God's Word. And so when God teaches me to forgive other people, the more I do that, the more I practice, the fruit of love comes out. The fruit of gentleness and patience and long-suffering, that's all in my life. How many know that's a good thing, isn't it? How many know the Holy Spirit's leading you to have fruit in your life? That's where he's leading you. He's taking you there. Amen. God, God's taking you there. So 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a picture of how the Holy Spirit leads us into the love of God as well as the gifts of God. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 5 verse 9 says, The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Right? So that's how it's lived out in our lives. And that's the impact of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's not just going around and we're, you know, running around the church. We're prophesying. I've got, and I'm a dreamer. I'm a vision. I got this and that and everything. I have all faith. And I speak in tongues. I have interpret tongues. You know, it's not that. There is goodness. There is righteousness. And there is truth. If someone says they have a gift of prophecy and they're not prophesying biblical truth, that's not the Spirit of God. That's for another lesson. And so really, I, I believe that there must be a demonstration of the Holy Spirit in us and through us of what we believe and preach. That's very simple, isn't it? But that's the power to be a witness. It is the demonstration of the, of the power of God in us and through us of what we believe and what we preach. So it is the fruit in us and the gifts through us. Can everybody see that's how the Holy Spirit moves? How many know God wants some, would rather do something in you than for you? He's not, you're not in an abusive relationship with, with our Heavenly Father. And an abusive relationship is a parent that gives their child things, just gives them things, money, money, things, things, and they love their child just through things. How many know that's a dysfunctional relationship? Well, God's not into dysfunctional relationships. Amen. He would rather do something in you than something for you because He knows what's going to be in you will last longer than when anything He could give for you. Come on. Can do for you. Is that right? 
Is that right? Yeah, that's okay. So really in John 13, but before I do, I want to just say this, that as we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, you'll notice that one of the first things mentioned, and over and over again through the teachings of Jesus, the Apostle Paul, Peter, and John, you'll see that the first thing and the greatest thing that's mentioned is a love for other people. How do you know the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you in a place of hating other people? Not going to lead you in a place of fighting and bickering and gossiping and, and tearing people down with your words. How many know the Holy Spirit's going to pretty much drive you to love other people? Oh, absolutely. Give to other people. Speak words of life to other people. Amen. Hold your tongue. Uh, cool your anger. This, this is where the Holy Spirit leads us, doesn't he? Amen. To love other people. What, what do you think the two most important things are all about the Christian faith? Love God and love other people. Isn't that what it's about? Amen. No, it's about, it's about being the, the greatest prophet in, in America. No, it's about loving other people. Because you can know, understand all mysteries. You can know who's going to be the next president. You can tell me what the weather's going to be one year from now. But if you don't have love, that doesn't mean anything to God. Right? So that's where the Holy Spirit leads us. The greatest thing, as the Bible teaches us, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the greatest of all the things that we can possess is love. Faith, charity, and hope. But the greatest is love. Amen. And so in John 13, the Bible says, This is how all men shall know that you're my disciples, my witnesses, people that are supposed to be given account of God on the earth, that you'll have love one for another. So we have love for the people of God. We have love for the saints. And we have compassion on people that don't know God. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How? By the Holy Ghost. You want to be, you say, someone said, well, when? They're really filled with the Holy Spirit. They're, they're really powerful in God, but they hate people. I mean, you know, the Bible says that's not the Lord. That's not the way God works. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If you're a person that claims to really be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to just be oozing with love. <laughs> Amen? Not bitterness, not resentment, not anger, not frustration. You're going to be oozing with the love of God because the Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So how many want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Then we need to be filled with love. And so when we do those things, amen, this is important. I just had to put that in there about fruit because a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the fruits. Let's move on to the gifts. <laughs> Let's get on to the more dynamic things of the Bible. Amen. How many know the crux of the Bible is the love of God? For God so loved the world that he gave. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. You and I are here today because of God's love for us. And so I believe that we need to love people and love one another in word and deed. Well, I think I love people. I sit around and have thoughts of love for people. No, the Bible says, and it's not just in words. Yeah, I tell people all the time, yeah, I like you, I like you, I like you, I love you, I love you. How many know the Bible says it's in word and action, right? Faith without works is what? Dead, amen. So a profession of Jesus without love for other people is meaningless. So we have to do it in word and deed. And this happens all the time in our lives every day. Let me give you the third thing that I believe that the impact of the Holy Spirit when being a witness, and that is the third thing is boldness. This is the strength of God. So it's not just the abilities of God, the character of God, but this now, the Holy Spirit really works in our lives to bring us the strength of God, the boldness. Many people, when they think of boldness, they just think of somebody in a bullhorn and, and you know, being the only person in the crowd that will speak up. You know, they, they think, we kind of think of this, we have this idea of boldness that, uh, you know, it's not, we got to stand up. Yeah, we have to stand up for what's right, but it's not just standing up. But how about this? God gives you boldness to go through difficult situations. God gives you boldness and strength. That's what it is. The strength of God. God gives you boldness to go through difficult situations. Some people think that, no, some people call themselves bold. Really, they're just plain obnoxious. How many have those friends? And you're like, oh my gosh, they're so bold. Well, no, they're just flat out embarrassing, <laughs> right? But how many know when, when, when you read in the book of Acts, one of the things you see over and over again, the Bible says, especially in the one particular thing in Acts chapter 3, that they were, they were uh, in prison for preaching the gospel and a situation came up and, oh, it was, it was getting messy and they were in prison 
And all of a sudden, the Bible says the saints got together and they began to pray. And uh, they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus. But guess what they said? That's nice. But guess what we're going to do? We're going to preach in the name of Jesus. Right? Because we believe it's more important to obey God than man. So they began to preach. And the Bible says that they were, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to come and shook that place. And they were all filled with boldness and began to speak with boldness. Isn't that great? And guess what else we see in that verse? We also see that it says this, and great grace was upon everybody. How many know God's grace causes you to be bold? God's grace causes you to move on you and influence you for boldness. And I don't know about you, but boldness isn't ripping somebody's head off. Boldness is doing the works of Jesus that maybe you would be intimidated or you would be afraid to do. How many know God gives you boldness? God gives you boldness. And, you know, Jesus said something. He said, listen, when you're brought before uh, the authorities and you've been arrested, and you've been persecuted for my name's sake, when you stand before them, don't give a whole lot of thought about what to say. Because open your mouth and I'm going to give you the words to say. How do you know? That's boldness. That's boldness. Amen. You, you have this all speech planned out and then all of a sudden God begins to move on you and begin to really declare the truth. We need to see Christians who are filled with boldness. Come on, I grew up in church. I've seen a lot of obnoxious Christians, but I love to see bold Christians. They're not ashamed of the gospel because they have a secret. They understand it's the power of God that leads unto salvation. That if I don't speak up, life can't come to these people. If I don't go, then nobody will hear the gospel. If I don't be a light, then darkness will continue. How many know that's boldness? If I don't say the truth, then somebody will always believe a lie. If I don't give an invitation to Jesus, then maybe someone will never give them an invitation. If I don't reach my hand out and, and bless and give, maybe nobody would do it. That's boldness. Amen? How many know God wants to move on us in boldness? Say it boldly, please. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, yeah, I think so. Amen. And so God wants you to be bold. And for some of us, that, that, that really is hard, isn't it? I want to be bold for God. And, and, you know, we think that boldness, we think that, you know, preaching the gospel and being a witness, we think that, you know, it's being out on the corner with a bullhorn and, and you know, going through and, and handing out Bible. How many know boldness moves, and God moves on us in boldness in many different ways? I, I'm never going to shut people down that want to stand out on the corner and preach the gospel with a bullhorn. Now, I'm just really scared to death to do that. It's like really awkward for me to do that. I feel comfortable in front of you guys, but man, when I get out on the streets, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, you know, come on. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Amen. And so that's happened many times. You know, many times people have, have called and said, hey, we got this outdoor meeting. We got this thing going on. We want you to go door to door and we want you to preach the gospel. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I mean, I'll, I'll stay in the kitchen, I'll go back to church and pray and talk to Christians, but man, you really want me to do that? Yeah. So we've been put in those situations, haven't we, where we need the boldness of God. We just need to step up and say, you know what, I've got to say something. I've got to preach. I've got to heal. I've got to lay hands on people. I've got to pray for my neighbors. I've got to say something. How many know, I mean, New York City had the saying on the subway, uh, on posters a long time before Christians got a hold of it, if you see something, say something. How many know that's we act as Christians? We see something and we say something. How many know Jesus was that way? He saw people that were blind, hurting, lost, and he said something. He did something. That's boldness. That's boldness. Let's move on. So being a witness and the impact of the Holy Spirit is not just boldness, but it is also authority. Hold on. <laughs> it is authority, which is the reign of God. The authority of God is the reign of God. And so when we talk about and we go and we preach the gospel, we declare that the kingdom of God is here because that's what John the Baptist showed us. That's what Jesus said, that when they began to preach the gospel and be a witness, one of the first things they said is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that's one of the, their leading lines in their sermons was the reign of God is here. The reign of God. How many know it's important to know about the reign of God? That's the authority of God, right? I'm staying on this point. I'm not getting into spiritual warfare. <laughs> people are getting a sword out. Ooh, he's talking about the authority. All right. But the authority of God. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, all power has been given unto me. That's what Jesus said. Then later on, in just a couple chapters and verses later, he says in Matthew chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, he said, I give unto you all power. 
So how many know Jesus has all power? Let's start there. How many believe that Jesus has all power? Jesus has all power. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen? Do you believe that scripture? Jesus has all power. Jesus is all reigning. Amen? He's not co-redeemer with somebody. He's not co-author with somebody. Amen? How many know he's the author of the book? He's the beginner. Uh, he's the first and the last. He's Alpha and Omega. Amen? He's all powerful. How many believe that Jesus holds the keys to hell, death, and the grave? Amen. Jesus has all power. Jesus has all power. I mean, he conquered death. I mean, he's amazing. He has all power. And so the Bible says that Jesus said, I give to you power to tread on scorpions and, and, and drink deadly things. And, do, and what, did he, what was he talking about? He wasn't talking about make a religion out of handling deadly things. Hello. He was talking about whatever situation you find yourself in, I'm going to give you power over it. Whatever demonic oppression or people oppression or cultural oppression you find yourself in, you've got my authority. You've got that badge from heaven. You've got the authority. I'm not going to get into that too much. But it's not a, authority is not a spirit of judgment and, and judgmental attitude and spirit. It's not anger. Many people think authority is about anger. The more anger you get, the more authority you have. No? I always really wondered as a kid, I, I, it was really, you know, scared me as a kid to prophesy. Lord, I don't know if I want to do that because every time when I was a kid, every time a prophet came to town, he was just really scowling at everybody. I've got a word from God. I was like, whoa, this is heavy. God is mad right now. <laughs> How many of you have ever seen that? You grew up with that. I was like, this guy's going to beat me up with the word right now. Amen. And so it's not that. Authority from God is not about anger and it's not, not about pride. How many know the authority of God is not proud? Well, I'm not listening to you. I've got the authority from heaven, brother. How many know that's proud? <laughs> it's not proud. You know, it's not mystic power. It's not psychic power. It's not manipulation or control. That's not authority. There's people that are obsessed with, really, darkness. They're obsessed with, the witch, with witchcraft and the occult because it gives them a sense of power and authority. And really, all the authority you have and the power you have is you might be able to bend a spoon and maybe even levitate two inches off the ground and impress your neighbors. But really, all that means is you just are hungry for power. You want power. You want authority. And so I've noticed this about the spirit of darkness and the world of darkness. And that is, darkness operates by lies that lead to bondage. If you've been in the occult, you've been in, exposed to witchcraft, you understand there's a lot of deception there. There's a lot of deception. Can anybody say amen? There's a lot of, that leads to bondage. And it leads to controlling people, manipulating people. Manipulating people's minds. Come on, it's, it's oppressing people. It, it's forcing your, your way on people. It's authority. And so darkness, and when it comes to the spirit of darkness, it, it operates by lies that lead to bondage, but the power of God operates by truth that leads to freedom. How many know the more you see the truth, the more free you will be? The closer you get to Jesus, the more free you are. How many believe that? The closer you get to the light, more, the more free you are. Amen. There's not oppression. There's not bondage. There's not lies. There's not deception. There's no darkness in our, Aren't you glad there's no darkness in God? The Bible says there's no shadow in Him. There's no shadiness in Him. Why? Because He's full of light. There's no shade. <laughs> there's no shadiness. There's no shadow in Him. Right? There's no gray in God. But when in the power of darkness, it operates, it thrives on darkness and deception. That's why people that, you know, that love the occult and witchcraft and darkness, they love the dark, they love dark clothes, they love nighttime, they love everything that's dark and everything that's, that, come on, everything that it's intimidates people, they love that. And the more edgier they can get, the more, ooh, shock and awe they can everybody, the more authority they seem to have. I mean, that's like the devil sometimes. When, when we're in fear with the devil, we give him more power. 
we give him more, we give him more room. We give him more reign. That's why when we move in the authority of God, amen, that's the reign of God, and there is no room for darkness. There is no room for the devil to move because we're moving in the authority of God. Amen. Many people think you got authority the more you point your finger and scowl. You know, that, that's not necessarily authority. But where does authority, let me just, side, just step, step aside here. Where does the anointing and the authority come from? Where does the anointing come from? Where does the authority come from? We'll talk about this some other time because a lot of people say that. Ooh, they're anointed. Ooh, I feel the anointing. Well, where does that come from? The anointing comes from prayer. It comes from being in the presence or hanging around the anointed one. The anointed one, the Christo, the Christ, the anointed one, in your life, you being around him, he's in you. How many know when you hang out with Jesus, he rubs off on you? And that's what, that's what the anointing is. It's oil. It's something that rubs off on you. That's what the word means, rub, to, to rub off. How many know Jesus' presence rubs off on you? That's what it means. It's anointing, the anointing you receive. That's what it means. It's, that, it's endowment from God. It's that, that, that oil, wind, fire from God. Amen. We don't have time to go there. But where's the authority come from? Jesus showed us where the authority come from. The authority comes from God's word. It is written. How many know authority comes from God's word? Authority comes from me being more popular in church and more gifted and more strong and loud than you. No, authority comes from God's word. You're not going to have authority over darkness if you don't know God's word. Come on, darkness, the devil and darkness operate under ignorance. The more ignorant you are, the easier you are to fool the easier it is to pull the wool over your eyes. How many know you can really fool some kids, but you can't fool an adult that knows what you're doing? Amen? How many know? Remember that little three-peanut thing, and you, you know, you're that walnut thing, and you put that little peanut under it, and where is it at? Where is it going and everything? And you fool kids. Oh, my word, there's a magic trick. And somebody that knows they've been around the block, they know the trick, can't fool them, right? I mean, no, you can't fool somebody that walks in the light. You can't fool. How do you walk in the light? God's word. I walk in the light because I'm smarter than you. No, you walk in the light because God's word educates me. And when you're filled with God's word, you can say it's written. When doubt comes, when, dis when dis depression comes, you can say, God, I stand on your word today. I thank you that I'm loved. I thank you I have hope. I thank you that you hold my tomorrow in your hands. I thank you that you're not going to let me fail. You're not going to let me to be destroyed. I have hope in you. Come on, somebody. When you get discouraged, when you get depressed, when you get, feel lonely, we can turn to God's Word. God's Word's been like a blanket in my life. God's Word's been like that pillow, amen, that maybe some of you need to just open up the book and you haven't been sleeping well and you haven't been resting. How many know? Come on, let's lift our hands to heaven and say thank God for His Word, amen. Thank God. Thank God for that. That's, that's that. And let me just move on here. And that is the authority of God. Is the, we, and so this is from the Holy Spirit. We have empowerment. In our preaching. Did you know that? We have empowerment in prayer. God gives you prayer power. How many believe that? Yeah. And, and God gives you power in praise. You know, we see these things. We could talk about it. But there's empowerment in your preaching, prayer, and praise. That's just how I roll with the three Ps. All right? So there is also this when it comes to the authority of God. There's illumination. There's understanding. There's revelation. God gives you illumination. There's a lot of, uh, you know, practices out there that teach you that if you just look inside and if you just really concentrate on being a better person, you'll come to a place of enlightenment where there's full of light and you'll understand all things. How many know the only way that you're going to understand all things is get a hold of the person who has all things in his hands? Amen. You want full illumination? You want total illumination of life and cosmic and get a hold of God. He's the one that understands how the universe rolls. He's the one that created it. He's the one that speaks and stars go into place. He's the one that waves his hand and winds and, and all that. Come on. He's the one that controls it all. So I got to get a hold of him. So that, that's what I love about the Lord. There's illumination. I don't need to look outside of God's Word and God's author, the authority of God's Word for truth and for illumination and for understanding and revelation. I don't need to Google all this stuff. I just need to get in God's Word. How many believe that God's Word is good enough? I believe that. And so there's authority in God's Word. And why are all these things? Let me just say this and I'll close. Why are all these things? Why am I sharing about really the boldness and authority and gifts of the Spirit and fruits of the Spirit? Why? Because it's all about a witness. 
It's all about the witness and the earth on the inside that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. God wants you to be empowered today to be His witness. That there is a God and that it is, His name is Jesus. That He came 2,000 years ago. That He died for our sin. That He opened the way to heaven. That whosoever will come to Him and believe that He is the Messiah will be saved and have a whole life of spending time with God. That's what it's all about. It's all it's all about, isn't it? To be a witness. It's not to show off for other believers, not to have your own ministry, make a big deal and, and, and just do all those things that's about a witness. And so why? Because people need Jesus. Why does God want you to be a witness? Because people need Jesus. People need to know Him. They, God wants people to know Him. How is that going to happen today? That's going to happen through His people, through you, through me, amen, to be a witness in the earth because people need Jesus and Jesus has a mission. He's never stopped being on his mission. Did you know that? Well, he died and then he's up in his lazy boy and the golden lazy boy called the throne of God. No, he's still on mission, but he's doing it through you and I. He's given us the Holy Spirit so Jesus can stay on mission. Think about it. I'm keeping the mission of Jesus alive because I'm being influenced by the Holy Spirit to be his witness. Can we stand on our feet today? Amen. I just want to share with you a real quick thought before we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I want to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You may not have felt goosebumps today and felt like running around the church and felt like falling down, but let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit's with you. God's given you a spirit. God wants to bear witness that He is real, that He loves you, that His Word is true. God wants to just illuminate Himself and say, you know what? I want to know who God is. That's where it starts. And so I want to just say this, that there's just some things that can hold you back as a witness. I just want to share those quickly with you. There's two things that can hold you back as a witness. Number one, the Bible says it's the fear of man. Fear of man, the Bible says, is a snare. It's a trap. It's bondage. When you're afraid of what people think, when you're afraid of what people will say, what they'll do to you. How many know the Spirit of God gives you the spirit of boldness so you're not afraid of what people will do to you? David said, I will, not, I will trust in you with all my heart. I will not fear what man can do. Amen. How many know the book of Acts is all about boldness so that they were not afraid to go to prison. They were not afraid to be beaten. They were not afraid to be put out, of separated. They were not afraid to be talked against and, and, and persecuted. They just were not afraid because they had boldness. And so that's what happens. But there's a fear of man. What will people think? What will they do? And that will hold you back as a witness. And the second thing that will hold you back as a witness is the praise of man. Always looking for the, the praise of man and the approval of man. Do you know the praise of men is a drug? And you're addicted to it by recognition and attention and approval. I have to have it. I've got to have people's approval. I've got to have recognition. I've got to have attention. It's a drug. And you become addicted to it. And the Bible says that this becomes a snare. This becomes bondage, the praise of men. This actually gets in the way of what the Bible describes, the praise of God. Did you know that there's two things that are really strengthen the witness, uh, uh, you as a witness? Number one is the fear of God and the praise of God. Did you know that there's praise of God for you? <laughs> well, I'm not into that. Well, the Bible says that people would rather have the praise of man than the praise of God. What does that mean, the praise of God? That's the favor of God. I want God's attention. So, well, I've got to do all these works. No, you don't. You already got it. I want to keep God's attention. I'm so thankful for God's approval. I don't need approval from the world. I don't need approval from anybody. I've got God's approval. Now, don't use that in a prideful way. I don't need to listen to you. God approves of my life. No. But one thing I can rest in today of God's approval. God, you showed me your approval. You showed me recognition. You showed me that. The, the attention you put on me, the value you put on my life by dying on the cross. How many know that's the, the praise of God? That's what it says, the praise of God. And so the reverence for God and the favor of God is what drives us as a witness, what strengthens us as a witness. Not the fear of man, not the praise of man, not that, not that we, we just, it, sometimes it acts like we just are so bound by fear. How many know fear causes a paralysis? You can't speak, you can't do it, you can't do this. And you find yourself saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, until you say, I won't. And so the fear of man is terrible, but it holds us back from being 
witness. And so today, just got a few questions. As we see and we talked about it, the Holy Spirit really has been given to bear witness to the truth. So my question is, is are you living the truth? Are you living and seeking after the truth and living in that truth? And, you know, the Holy Spirit, as we talked about, has been given uh, really to reveal God to us, in us, and through us to a lost and dying world. And so our question would be today is, am I, am I really moving in the boldness of God to reveal God to other people? Am I really loving other people, letting the fruit of the Spirit work in my life? And am I just hung up on my way and my thing and, and my pride? I don't know about you, but the Holy Spirit comes. And, you know, there's, there's nothing really about this pride uh, that the Holy Spirit brings. How many know the Holy Spirit doesn't bring pride and arrogance? It brings, man, this fear of God and this reverence for God and this love for God and this humility. And it says, man, I need to start at the cross. That's where I want to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Today, the Holy Spirit may be really speaking in your heart, bearing witness that maybe I'm away from God. Maybe I don't know the Lord. Maybe I've let sin get in there and some things get between me and God. And today I'm just saying, God, I'm coming back to you just as I am, just just where I'm at in my life. I just come to you today and I just thank you for speaking to, to me today because you love me so much, Lord. You want nothing to stand in our relationship, nothing to stand in the way of our relationship. Lord, I just submit to that today. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence. Thank you so much that, Lord, you want us to be present in your presence today, right now. Lord, you're God with us, but you want to be God in us. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching us to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, to really, really to glorify Jesus, to love the truth, to obey what you've taught us and, and, and already commanded us to do, God, to love other people and allow the gifts to flow and the fruits of the Spirit to go. And to, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, you call us to be witnesses. Today, I want to be a faithful witness that you are the Messiah. You are truth. You are God. Help me not, Lord, draw back from that and run from that and hide from that. Help me, Lord, stand boldly in this generation to declare who is God and what is truth all about. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us that spirit in the midst of a culture that is really against God and really just fighting against godliness. We thank you, Lord, we can be lights. We can be salt. We can stand we can be your witness today. We thank you for empowering us. Help us move in that and understand what it's all about today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Can we give God a cheer today? Thank God for his word.